Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. I'm Misty. I'm tired. That's Lisa. (laughs) She's there. (laughs) It's happening. Wowee. Wow. Have we ever just had a professional intro? I don't think so. The point is, this. if you came here for a full book review... You're shit out of luck because A, we cuss, which has nothing okay. to do with the book reviews. B, uh, this is Tuesday, people. Fridays. Yes. Fridays are your book reviews. Tuesday is what we lovingly call the weekly beef. And it is our chance to shine and explore the nooks and crannies of the self-help world. Uh, so if you want a full book review, we have like 70 of those. Yes, uh, we just do. Go, just go up or down in your feed. Whatever works for you. Uh, but today, uh, on a weekly beef, and on other weekly beefs, we explore thought-provoking questions. We share articles that are self-help relevant. Um, we have special guests on. We just had really fun special guests on. We had Matt and Frank who had their house tidied by Marie Kondo herself. And you can see them in episode five of Tidying Up with Marie Kondo on Netflix. Um, But Lisa has something special for us today. What do you have for us, Lisa? I do. I have an article from the bottom line, which as you know, is like an old person um, journal as as Matt Sav called it once. And I wanted to punch him in the face (laughs) because I get it. Um, what he means is wise. Thank it's you. for wise people. But I thought it was timely because we talked about, um, we have talked about therapy often on this podcast. We've gotten a couple messages from listeners who are grateful that we talk about therapy um, and which we'll talk about on future um, uh, weekly beefs when we read yeah. listener communiques. And we, um, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, because by the way, in our liberal woo-woo bubble here in Los Angeles in Southern California in the United States of America, therapy is not stigmatized. Everybody has a therapist. They're like, oh yeah, like here's my little dog and my blonde highlights and my therapist. Um, And in other parts of the world, you know, I have friends in in France who are like, nobody talks about it here. It's super stigmatized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just recently we covered Mark Manson's audiobook Love is Not Enough, where mm-hmm. we really talked about the difference between a life coach and a therapist. Yeah, um, and the importance of how you have got to, you have to be careful about who you let guide your mental health journey. Yeah, yeah. So this article is from the January 15, 2020 issue of Bottom Line Personal, and it's called Take Charge of Your Therapy Sessions, Seven Strategies to Get More from Your Couch Time. And it is by Ryan Howes, or Howes, H-O-W-E-S. He's a PhD licensed clinical psychologist in private practice in Pasadena, California, speaking of Southern California. Mm -hmm. Um, And he does psychotherapy for adults and couples, um, adult individuals and couples. And he writes the blog... Um, in therapy, a user's guide to psychotherapy for psychology today and writes the point of view column for psychotherapy networker magazine. 
Amazing. So, so step yes. one, you barge in, you sit on your therapist. <laughs> step two, you say, this is my session, bitch. What you got else? it. I'll just cover the other five. Great. Well, he says, many people enter therapy with the wrong expectations, the wrong attitude, and even the wrong therapist, any of which can result in unproductive, frustrating, or disappointing experience. Amen. But you can make it a positive experience if you approach it the right way. Think of it as enrolling in a course where you are the subject matter. And if you're curious, teachable, and motivated, it can be one of the most rewarding classes you ever take. Mm. So um, here's what he says. Number one, find the right fit. Take inventory of your symptoms. So um, make sure that you know why you're going to therapy. And you Mm. can um, search for names at psychologytoday.com or goodtherapy.org. And he says, think about gender preferences. If your issue is not gender related, such as fear of flying, it won't matter. But if your issue is a controlling mother, then you might prefer a male therapist. It says review bios, specialties, and treatment approaches, and then set up a calls with a few therapists, and most will offer a free initial phone consultation. He says what's helpful is explain what you're dealing with and ask how the therapist might treat it. After interviewing a few therapists, trust your gut and select one to see for three or four sessions. If you feel like it's not working, move on to someone else. He says, the type of therapist you choose, psychologist, counselor, or social worker, doesn't matter much as your relationship with that person. Tip number two, take ownership of your session. You're there to talk, so take some time beforehand to think about what you want to say. Here's a helpful tip. Arrive not just on time, but early. Give yourself 10 minutes in the waiting room to reflect on where you left off last time, what's happened since then, and what your priority is today. Because if you wait for the therapist to steer the conversation, he or she may never get to what you want to talk about because they don't know. Oh, yeah. And sometimes in sessions, I've... uh, I had one therapist who his his practice was just to like glom on to whatever thing I said first, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of go there. And I had to be like, hey, actually what I want to talk about is X, Y, Z. Yeah, and yeah. also, also if you are a frugal with a capital F like me, <laughs> you become very aware that your 50 minutes in there costs a lot of money. Yeah. So getting there 10 minutes early to sort of land and decompress for a second and like be able to just actually start with the issue at hand. Uh, It at least helps relax me about what it's costing. Um, He also suggests keeping a therapy journal to jot down a few notes after the session, as well as uh, relevant thoughts, experience, and and dreams you've had. Um, When you're journaling, you can ask yourself like, what do I want? How do I feel? And you can refer to that journal before each appointment so you can bring up the issues that are important to you. He says what not to do is don't rehash everything that happened since you last saw your therapist. Um, He says some clients do this because they don't want to deal with deeper issues, which is missing the whole point of therapy. Um, Mm. And really what's more important is dealing with your thoughts and feelings that resulted from what what you experienced. Otherwise you won't make progress. Tip number three, don't expect answers. Um, yeah. So it's like, should you break up with your partner, quit your job or ground your teenager? He says the therapist's job is to give you the tools to answer those questions yourself. Mm-hmm. If the therapist gives you the answer, you won't be any closer to understanding yourself and you won't be empowered to handle another situation on your own. Instead, a good therapist will help you understand what's going on inside your head and help you develop the tools and emotional strength to address challenges. They might ask, for instance, why do you think you feel suspicious about your partner's phone texts? Or why are you having trouble completing that job application? Right. 
tip number four. Yeah, I think, strategy I, think four. I, I think I try to, uh, I, yeah, sorry. There's a slight delay, everybody. We're still obviously remotely recording and we're not back in uh, Fairfax Village Studios where our sound quality is mm, molto bene. That's Italian. Um, but I, I think that a healthy way to approach it is going like, okay, awesome. I'm working towards clarity. Like instead of answers, I'm just working towards clarity. That's great. Um, the fourth strategy, he says, tell your therapist if you have concerns about the sessions. Speak up if you don't like something your therapist says, does, or even the cologne they wear. If you bottle up concerns, a rift will build and you won't make progress. And even better, yeah, address any frustrations at the beginning of the session so that you can clear the air and move on. By that's telling great. them how you feel, you're helping them understand understand you better. And confrontation is hard, of course, but practicing it on your therapist will help you handle it better later in life too. And you can just start Because who is listening. better equipped to right. have healthy confrontation than your therapist? That's right. Um, you can just start by saying, I'm a little uncomfortable bringing this up and then go from there. Great. Uh, and talking about your feelings builds trust between you and your therapist. Don't worry okay. about hurting their feelings. Most therapists know how to handle confrontations without getting defensive. And if yours doesn't, consider choosing a different therapist. Yes, yep. dear God. Yes, <laughs> strategy number five. It's all worth mentioning. When you're in therapy, buried or forgotten feelings often get dredged up. Say so, no matter how random or insignificant it seems. There's probably a connection to what you're talking about. It's like a gift from the psyche, and that can help you and the therapist understand deeper parts of you. So like when you have a, remember, a random, it seems like a random memory or a flash of a memory or a flash of somebody's face comes into your head, bring it up bring it up. Yeah. And absolutely. a really good therapist will recognize when you kind of went somewhere and will ask you, where did you just go? Or what did you just remember? Yeah. Um, Cause they've Great. really been trained to notice it. Strategy absolutely. number six, pick a good time for your session. This seems obvious, but really think about what is the best time of day. Maybe you're a morning person and will be more talkative then, or maybe you come to life when the sun is going down. But timing also can depend on where you have to be after the appointment. It can be tricky to go back to the office after an intense session or to meet your mother-in-law for dinner if you were just griping about her. Um, mm -hmm. If you can't avoid a scheduled conflict, tell your therapist what's on your agenda so that he or she can stop the more intense conversation five or 10 minutes before the session is over. And they can use that time to help you make an action plan and like a cool down like you would after a workout. You can mm. also plan your own cool down period after the session. It helps to go for a walk or write in your journal before heading to your next appointment. And this process is called containment and it helps you to more easily re-enter the rest of the world. It's like putting your feelings on a shelf until it's time to examine them again. And the idea is to let yourself regroup and collect your feelings so that you can get back to your normal routine. Also, yeah. he says, take care of any housekeeping business, scheduling payments, insurance at the beginning of your session, not the end. It's hard to switch gears from raw emotion to a discussion of whether or not your therapist will take your new insurance. Yeah. And I find it such a gift to be able to stay in the emotion and let you process. You know, so a lot of times therapy is the only place that some people are processing big emotions and there's yeah. absolutely, in my experience, a residual effect and it can, it can last for a few hours after yeah. or just a few yeah. minutes after, but it's like being able to give yourself the time and space mentally and physically to come down from that yeah. is yeah. really important. 
Yeah. Um, last strategy, ask about your progress. From the beginning, talk about the end. Ideally, that will be when all therapy goals have been met. Maybe that's achieved in 12 sessions, or maybe it takes more than a year. If you'd like to keep a specific time frame, let your therapist know that up front. And along the way, you need to know you're making progress. So he says there are two clues that things are going well. The first is when you begin to, quote, internalize your therapist. That means when you're on your own, you start to ask yourself the same questions your therapist would. I noticed okay, that. Okay, then I'm doing amazing. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that with my very first therapist. I was like, I feel like I hear your voice. I hear you're on my shoulder and I hear you saying those things. I love um, that. That shows that you're incorporating what you've learned in therapy into daily life. The other clue is when you find yourself saying, I've never told anyone this before. Your therapist is hearing this is a safe place and this client really trusts me. Whether it's talking yeah. about um, something bad or it's just too embarrassing, opening up is a sign that you're healing. Talking about your progress along the way means you'll be better prepared for when therapy ends, which is typically a difficult time for some clients. It helps yeah. you tie up the loose ends and clarify takeaway points and then go back out on your own with closure. And that's are the seven strategies. I love that so much. And something else that I ask a lot in therapy sessions is, okay, so what do I do between now and our next session? Or how do I handle this if these feelings come up again? Or what am I supposed to do about that? You know, because I really like actionable steps and homework. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that. Whenever I ask that, they always have tools. They always yeah, do have Do you have see somebody who specializes in cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT? Yeah. And actually, um, trauma-focused somatic approaches. Yes. Uh, and, and what was really helpful, uh, often people don't realize this, but sometimes insurances have people dedicated on staff to help put you in touch with therapists. So I actually had uh, a woman, I had like Cigna Healthcare or something mm -hmm. at the time. And she, she was like, Hey, Misty, what are you looking for? Let me know. Male or female? preferred, you know, can you tell me yeah. a little about what you they want to address? somebody right in network. Well, yeah. And she also was like, Hey, Misty, I called 14 therapists. Only four have returned my calls. I've left messages for the other, like really did a lot of that leg work, leg, leg work that feels like it's such a barrier to entry. Like it is yeah, exhausting yeah. to follow up and call and do these interview appointments, you know? So it was really nice to have somebody go like, here are the three people who return my call. There you go. It is exhausting. And I think part of the reason it's exhausting is because typically we get into therapy when we're in crisis. Yeah, <laughs> Not exactly. that you were, but a lot of us do when we're already down and we need help. So having a therapist yeah. that you already have a relationship yeah. with, you may leave therapy for a little while, but knowing that you can go back to them and already have some relationship yeah. is great. Anyway, thank and, you for listening and, to that. Yeah. And to sum it all up, it's what we've learned in the hundreds of hours of this podcast is that no one does anything alone. That's and with that, right. And with that, life, life is, is abundant. abundant. Goodbye. Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing. <laughs> do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know, you can also find us on the social medias, Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast, Twitter at podcast, or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends? Bye! Bye.